first person. Huh. You can be me, you can beat me to the 19th hole. The 19th hole. You can be me, you can beat me to the 19th hole. The 19th hole. I'm at the 19th hole, fellowshipping with a few folks My game was on, so I won by a few strokes Cognac and a few totes We gon' talk about our views and let the news post Whether a hole in one or a triple bogey Sit down at the round table, get to know me Black excellence, living holy Golf carts get driven slowly While we pickin' stogies we at the clubhouse for another episode The shoes I wear when I play, they are retros I got reach out in Pebble Beach Find cigars and some leather seats And you can let us Okay, so the round has been played It's over, we're at the clubhouse Once again back here at the International House of Stogies uh, I'm your host, Warren Hardy This is my partner in crime Monsoor Reed, or like we call him, Jay Reed, here at the house. Uh, we got a special guest today, Mr. Dwight Boykins, Houston's own. <laughs> Mr. TSU himself. There you go. <laughs> Man, Dwight, I really do appreciate you taking your time out of your busy day to, uh, to join us here. Um, why don't you introduce yourself again for the, for the people watching. Uh, just give us a little bit of background about yourself, and we'll go ahead and We'll go ahead and dig into this thing. Well, thank you guys. Jay Reed, Warren, thank you guys so much, man. Warren's like a nephew to me, and I think the world of him. Very proud of what he's been accomplishing in his lifetime. But uh, I am from Houston, Texas. Um, grew up in the public school system. Went to Texas Southern, majored in business. Um, you know, just been married for 32 years. Love my boo, man. Love my wife to death. Congratulations and, uh, on that. You know, thank you so much, man. And I... Uh, uh, come from a big family, you know, my whole family, uh, all of them are still alive, thank God, and we all are here in Houston, and we're pretty well known because of our, you know, opportunity to play sports growing up in the city, so we have a, we have a big family, and, uh, you know, doing real well, I had a chance, I've been in politics for a long time, and I consider myself a public servant, I tell people I'm not a politician, and, because uh, I believe in serving the public, and I served on Houston City Council for six years, and recently ran for mayor and uh, was not successful, but planned to run again. And, uh, you know, that's the professional side. The personal side, I love me some golf and I love cigars. If you know anything about me, you would know that Dwight Boykin is going to have a cigar near him. <laughs> at least out of 24 hours a day, at least nine hours of those 24 hours. Oh, I like it. I like that. I like that. <laughs> so I want to jump right into this thing, yeah. uh, Dwight. So... You, you, you came out of TSU majored in, in business. Yeah. I would say, looking back on it, um, you know, you hadn't always been into politics. I would say at, 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 one, at what point in, in your life or, or your career did you make the decision to say, you know, this is, I want to go into public service. I want to get into, I want to get into politics. You know, it's a great question, Warren. My wife would be the first to tell you the commitment I've made when you I tell people all the time being a politician or public servant isn't about your name being called you know the honorable it's not about going to banquets it's not about having your name in the lights on the news media saying all these things you're doing in the community it's about being committed to people and it has to be something that's this in your heart I mean period 
I can't tell you how many times I've gotten up in the middle of the night when a firefighter or police officer was injured in the line of duty, one, two in the morning, I hop up and run to the hospital to be with their families. I'm not saying I'm the only one doing it, but nine times out of 10, I'm the only one at that hospital with comfort in their family. I can't tell you how many seniors have called me and said, Dwight, you know, I need help with my home. And I go and we fixed about 607 homes last year of seniors. I can't tell you how many yards I've cut of seniors because I see that they need the help and on fixed income. So I'm not saying that I'm any different. I'm just telling you to be a public servant. You have to commit to serving people and not yourself. And uh, so I've been I've been committed, man, all my life It's in me. And uh, that's my calling. and, And I enjoy doing it. So from so so from beside from being a uh, an entrepreneur, yeah, I would say when when was it the the switch to say I'm I'm gonna officially go into politics? Well, that's a great question, Warren, because I, my background started off in the banking industry, and okay. I guess back in eighty seventy eight I started in banking, and then probably at eighty four I moved into governmental relations, maybe eighty five. Okay, uh, but in '99 I ran my first race for city council. But prior to that, in '80, I want to say '86, Governor Ann Richards was the governor, and I was helping. I helped her, and I traveled statewide with her, helping her with African American outreach uh, to become the first Democratic governor in a while, and she was, and we won. And and she and Ovide Duncan Taylor, two individuals who both have passed on, that inspired me to want to get engaged back in the '80s. Okay. Because they always talked about helping people, and that was important to me. Did you feel more or less that it was a uh, – so you said it was your calling yeah. to help people. Do you feel it was more or less those individuals seeing something in you, pulling you in that direction? Or was it, or was it you surrounding yourself, putting yourself in that, envir- in, in that environment to make the transition? Well, you know, one of the things, Warren, again, it goes back, it goes back for me to the point of saying – it was your calling because, you know, I've been around people that have been elected or appointed to positions. And, you know, when they get a call at 12 at night to go do something, they ignore that phone call because they don't want to do it. You got to be committed. And uh, so, you know, mine just came again, man, back early as, as something that I think God planted in my, my spirit to help people because of where I come from. And, you know, we come from humble beginnings and, right. uh, but we, we, my mother always provided what we needed and not what we wanted. And uh, as a governing body for me, I try my best to remember that when I make decisions. And I do, right. uh, you know, and, and do what's best for people, the masses. We're going to take a brief yeah. second real quick. Um, we are, I know you can't light up where you're lighting up. I'm jealous, man. I'm jealous. <laughs> don't do that to me, man. <laughs> Jay Reed, don't rub it in, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to let Jay Reed go ahead and introduce what we're, what we're smoking today. Yeah, so we're smoking a Herrera Steli by Drew Estate. I'm pretty sure you probably heard of that before. You know, yeah. Uh, uh, Nicaraguan. Uh, it's a good breakfast cigar, mild, medium. But I'm more curious, like, if you were smoking, what is that in your hand? Like, what do you prefer? What cigar do you prefer? Like, if... Cause I'm a guy. I like to. I prefer to smoke in the morning with a nice cup of coffee. So, when is your favorite time to, to smoke a cigar? And what cigar do you prefer to smoke? Well, my favorite time to smoke a cigar is when my eyes are open in the morning. Yes, sir. I like so that. So, wake up if I could. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and my favorite cigar is a free cigar. You have one for me? Absolutely. When you come, 
Cigar on me. And I tell you, I tell you, that's my favorite one, Jay Reed. Yes, sir. And when I say come, I'm not even talking about coming here. I'm talking about when we meet at the 19th hole, which is wherever we are. Cigars on me. Right. Hey man, you my guy, you my man. <laughs> hey, been- Warren ain't never offered me a free cigar. Warren tried to charge me, man. He ain't never offered me no free cigar. <laughs> oh man. Come on. I don't I'm believe it. I don't I'm believe it. Come on. I give you a free cigar. But hey, let me tell you guys something. Uh you asked your question about favorite cigar, and I'm not bragging on Cuban cigars because they're not, you know, you know, they're not they're easy not to get. I had an opportunity to go to Cuba twice representing the city of Houston. And I took a delegation of people with me. And uh, even some of those people will tell you uh, that those are some fine cigars. The tobacco leaves are just different and they burn different. And uh, I've had some great ones. I love uh, Particus 4 Series D. Oh, it's one of my favorite ones. Yes. Uh, and uh, when I go to Cuba and I hope to be able to go back again later part of this year, depending on what's happening over there or next year, um, you know, I, I, that's one of the best trips for me. It really is. And I encourage everyone to go and take, you know, supplies to help the needy out there and hook up with the hospitals and do your thing. But that is an experience that you will never forget, especially right. with little cigars. Yeah. Maybe I could take y'all. Hey, maybe I could take y'all on the trip with me. What you think? 19 hole. 19 hole in Cuba. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I like it. But uh, getting back to it. So. Uh, you had the opportunity to be voted councilman, uh, District D. Is that correct? Correct. Which is which is my home in Third Ward, your yeah. home as well. Yeah. Um, just give a. How was that experience overall for you? It was a great experience, Warren. That's a great question because I grew up in this area and I knew uh, as a child all the needs that we've you know had for many years, from a food desert with grocery stores to drainage issues. Uh, speed humps, which we dealt with a lot of traffic control issues. And so when I went in, it was a different experience for me because I knew, you know, born and raised in this area, I knew the need. So one of the things I committed to the individuals out here was that I wanted to create some of the economic opportunities that other neighborhoods had. For an example, in the Sunnyside area, I don't know for the your listeners, if they're familiar with what we call a TERS, a tax increment reinvestment zone. And all that is, is just a boundary of the city, let's say the Sunnyside area. Every dollar they pay, 10 cents stay in the Sunnyside area to help with drainage. No yeah. mayor want to give up that 10 cents. So you have to leverage that. Mm-hmm. They have a TERS in the Galleria. That's why it looked the way it looked. They have a TERS in the Gulfgate area. That's why it looks the way it looked. Uh, Almeda. So the money stayed there for development of infrastructure. So I wanted to put one in Sunnyside. And I did that. And then I want to address food deserts and put quality grocery stores in the area because we didn't have them. We just had convenience stores. And uh, I went to Washington and put together a deal with some folk and um, ended up buying this land on 288 North McGregor and built one of the largest HEBs in their inventory. And it is grossing more than any store they have. And I knew it would wow. happen because we would capture that parallel traffic. And then I wanted to address some of the speeding through neighborhoods, man and put speed humps, as we call them, speed cushions throughout my district. Most of them have them. Uh, So, you know, District D, and then, you know, one other thing that was important to me, uh, Warren and Jay Reed, when I was knocking on these doors, man, asking these people to vote for me, seniors' doors were falling. Porches were broken, you know, the crack. And I said, if I'm blessed to become the council member, I'm going to create a fund. And I had a big golf tournament, 
uh, that raise money to help seniors with minor home repairs at no cost to them. And we, like I said, we fixed 607 homes because I told these people I would help them. And, and my last signature program is not so much the grocery stores, even though it's uh, the economic impact on it is, is, uh, is amazing. My second chance program, second chance, that's where I wanted to make certain that people in my community and throughout the city that made mistakes in the past, including nonviolent ex-felons, could come and work at the city and with companies that would lobby me without discriminating based on their past, including nonviolent ex-felons. So I tell people all the time, you may think you all this and that, but look in your family. You have somebody who made a mistake that needs a second chance. How about right. that? Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. So that that I'm saying that to say when I got there, Warren, I knew I had to bring all that with me to yeah. address it. And I did I addressed every each and every one of them. But like you say, you know, you you told those people that's what you were gonna do. And and you delivered on it. So yeah. much respect to that. Absolutely. Kudos to that. So you gave a lot of the the highlights. What would you say is uh, would be a learning, not necessarily a regret, but something that you learned. Maybe you know it didn't go your way as uh, in, in in that role as well that you're taking on to you know to better yourself going forward. Well, I think um, I don't want to say compromise because I don't compromise on my principles. But of course, you know the voters voted for. Uh, this is the only thing I would kind of consider a different approach on it, but the voters voted for equal pay for police and fire and the administration didn't want to honor it. Yeah, yep. and I'm like, I don't care if they'd have voted up or down, I'm always honor the will of the voters. And what I did was present it to the administration a garbage fee. And uh, I went and did all the research because every city, Pearland, Meyerland, Sugarland, Bel Air, all of them, Austin, all of them had a garbage fee and I was exempting the seniors, the veterans, military, and disabled. And it was based on $100,000 evaluation. So long story short, I was trying to implement that to increase the revenue for garbage and then take out the general fund, their fee to pay the pay parity, the garbage fee. I mean, garbage revenue to pay the pay parity. And I think if I had to do it over again, I would probably look at another resource to try to cover that. I truly believe when we're elected, when people vote us in, it's our job to try to work. If the voters approve it through a referendum, it's our job to honor the will of the voters. Regardless, we're not bigger than the voter. And I will always live by that. So I think I would have taken a different approach, but I would have still tried to find a way to honor the will of the, the voters. Gotcha. Now, that's, I like that. I like that insight. And I like that look back. And I can appreciate that, you know, you having that insight, um, but still keeping the... Uh, you know, a people first, people first mentality. Yeah, absolutely. Much respect to that. I'm, I'm also going to give much respect to this cigar we're smoking. <laughs> I really can't. I really hate that you couldn't be here today. <laughs> man, you guys are wrong. Y'all are wrong. Y'all doing me wrong, man. <laughs> but it's a, it's a, it's a really, really good stick. Mile. Uh, it's burning good. Uh, I haven't had to relight it. I mean, but Jay Reed always offers good recommendations. Like I said, one day we can get you down here. Uh, International House of Stogies, uh, right here off of Highway 6 in Missouri City. Is this uh, Tiffany's place? No, uh, it's down, not too far from that, but this is John Simmons. He's the majority owner of International House of Stogies. This yeah, I've heard of that, brother. I look forward yeah. to meeting him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. John's a good guy. Yeah, he is. He's a good guy. He actually is a, he's in the car business. He was with Mike Calvert for years. 
and uh, he just went over to uh, a Chevy dealership over off 59 South. So he's, well, he's, a, got, he's a local. He's from Sunnyside. He must be selling some damn good cars. He got a nice setup like that, boy. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> he been doing it for about 30 years, man. <laughs> it's nice. Yeah. I, I, I'll, let, I'll let Jay Reed give a little insight more about the shop. Yeah, so here at Octobers, you know, there, there are many cigar shops around Houston and on the outskirts of Houston. And what we do to separate ourselves is, uh, you know, we consider ourselves a boutique shop. So you won't necessarily come into our shop and find the same cigar that you might find at Tiffany's shop or that you might find in a Specs or some of the other shops that are in the city. Uh, we like to, you know, like I say, provide cigars that you not necessarily that they're hard to find or that they're rare, but they're just uh, considered boutique. So it's not a lot of them that are made in a, in a big quantity. And, uh, you know, we have a private lounge here with some really good guys. I mean, it, that's what really drives our stogies is, is the guys and the, the females, people. the people that are here. You know, we have a really good group of people that come here and they like to, you know, have conversations. You know, they would love to talk to someone like you because these guys are always talking politics. They, they're not just talking about golf. They're not just talking about women or football or sports. They're talking about things that really matter. You know, I like guys who ask the tough questions. And a lot of these guys here, man, they are not. <laughs> you got to have some thick skin to be around here, man, because they're they going to call you out on some stuff. So, But it really is a family, you know, and I'm, I'm sure you understand that family concept when you go to your local cigar lounge and, and smoke. So that's what I still is about. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, man, that's what, you know, it's all about. Yesterday, um, I, I, I tell people all the time, cigars and golf, and I was so glad when Warren told me he had this going on. You guys had it going on. But cigars and golf can break down any barrier in communication. So yeah. the guy, when I served on city council, actually he served before me, named Orlando Sanchez. Start, he's a Hispanic brother, Cuban. Starch Republican, I'm a starch Democrat, but we play straight down the middle, like hitting that golf ball, but with our views. But yesterday, he and I went and had, uh, he, he texted me, it started Warren because he has a, rat, uh, a cabin up in Montana. Oh, okay. So he sent a picture of it, and I said, man, I have a place up in Conroe. So we kind of exchanged ranch pictures, and then we started talking about cigars. Nothing about politics. And right. he showed, he went and got him some Cubans. And uh, he sent me a box. He said, you care for one? I said, tell me when and where. <laughs> and, and yesterday we sat up, man, and smoked and talked about everything. And he posted a picture. I was kind of nervous at first, but he posted <laughs> He posted a picture. But it was a good, good message. It was like, you right. know, two former council members, mayoral candidates, different views, but love the same interests of cigars and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and that's what it's all about. So that's why I love cigars and golf, man. And because uh, it, it, it breaks down barriers. Speaking of golf, what's in the bag and when was the last time you played? Tyler's uh, played with Pro V1 balls and uh, I played in that tournament with Joe out at Herman. Okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah, played in that tournament. I didn't play with Joe's team, but I played uh, – uh, and uh, it was the uh, the big smoke tournament. You were out there. Yeah, he was. I saw you out there. Oh, you did. I did. I did. You introduced the uh, the young lady who was. Uh, I guess she's over Herman now. Yeah. 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 So you're talking to you're talking to the winner of that tournament. Absolutely. Right now. Oh, that was your group. Absolutely. <laughs> and LaFell, I was on the team with LaFell. I don't know if you knew. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. Yeah. Yeah, hey, but, man, I'm going to tell you what Joe did. I thought it was so smooth. I asked him that morning. I didn't ask him for a cigar for me because I had some. Just some some knockoffs. When I play golf, I don't smoke a good cigar because the wind tears the leaf up. 
So I said, Joe, hey, man, you got a cigar? He said, uh, yeah, man, I got plenty. And he reached in the back and gave me a feral pig. I said, hey, man, I didn't ask for one. I, I was going <laughs> to give you one of mine, but it, it's not a feral pig. I can tell you that now. <laughs> <laughs> He just handed you that on the golf course. <laughs> hey, and I didn't give it back neither. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. So, so Jay like, Reed, Jay yes, Reed, sir. how did y'all feel in y'all good conscience cheating in that tournament? Because I know y'all cheated to win. You know, how hey, did y'all feel? Did you sleep good that night, Jay Reed? Listen, I, listen. I like him. He's coming back listen, with questions. I like I'll tell that. you what. The next tournament you play in, I'm going to bring that same team, and we're going to do even better. Because I'm telling you, we got some ringers. <laughs> I'm looking forward to take old Joe out and play, man. Oh yeah, I, I still I know last time you and I smoked with uh, Albert and AJ and all them. Joe was there. We met you down at Joe's spot. We had we've been meaning to get up and play together. We just you know conflict the schedules and everything like yeah. that. But that's like right, we're gonna make we're gonna make it happen. Get y'all out of my place, man. Out of the golf club in Houston. We're gonna play. We're oh gonna, yeah, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. So um, after you transition from Councilman, you're back with the DA's office, correct? Yeah, I'm doing some contract work with uh, District Attorney Kim Ogg, yeah, and, and a couple other clients, but mainly her, yeah. Over, over special programs, is that right? Yeah. Out, outreach programs. Yeah. So once again, you're still, you're still serving the people. Got to, man. And, you know, the good thing about that, Warren, I'm glad you brought that up, and I'm not up here endorsing Kim's programs, but I'm telling you what she's doing that I love and the reason I'm with her. Kim knew that I had a second chance program. She was a speaker, as a matter of fact, mm -hmm. at my event. And she created a program called Make It Right. And so we merged them together almost. And the Make It Right allowed those who've been falsely uh, accused, that need, that's been need to be exonerated, or those who made mistakes, paid their debt, and qualify for expungement or seal of records. So what Kim said, Dwight, there's no way we can reduce crime if we don't give people opportunities. I love your second chance program, but we got to take it to another level. So right. we married our programs. And I give her a lot of credit for that, man. And just recently, she sent me a, a text. She said the last four guys that we exonerated were all African-American men. Four. I said, Kim, we, we got to get that word out, man, because people don't know. Those four brothers, could. I know they appreciate it. Because, you know, when you get people in situations like that, man, they send letters to the parole board, to all these people, and people ignore them. And so you have a DA that's saying, I'm going to read them and check them out. That means a lot to me. Right. But, uh, yeah, so I'm doing community stuff. Yesterday I spoke with a group of pastors about some of the things we're doing at DA's office, and, uh, and I'm learning a lot. Um, I learned to turn with a signal on these days, I don't do a damn thing. I, I ain't breaking no laws, brother. It just scared me. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. I'm going to switch gears for a minute. I'm yeah. going to ask, uh, you know, because I, I know you, again, very active in the community. Uh, I mean, you're a country boy at heart. I know uh -oh, that. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> I know that. Uh, let's talk about the Houston Rodeo a little bit. Um, I know you have been passionately active and involved with the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo. Yeah. Talk a little bit about your involvement with that. Well, I started off many, many years ago in the Black Heritage Committee, and uh, uh, it was about raising money. The committee, first of all, rodeo is uh, defined of many committees, and each one's goal is to raise money or raise resources 
or contribute in kind to help benefit youth in education. And so the Black Heritage Committee raised a lot of money at a big banquet and we would give it to the show to provide scholarships, which now is called Metropolitan. You don't have to uh, go to college and major in agriculture. You can major in anything and apply for the Metropolitan Scholarship. And I hope your listeners are listening to that and please apply. Um, excuse me. Then I left the Black Heritage Committee and joined um, the Houston, I mean, the Livestock Committee, which is, as Warren has mentioned, you know, I love the rodeo and the, the ranching business. I own horses and my partner Albert, who's like a brother, have cattle. And we have these conversations going where we created a group called 100 Ranchers. But anyway, so I was doing livestock for a while. And then I was promoted to another committee called uh, uh, Premium Seating Committee as vice chairman. And I left there and went to corporate development, which we raised a lot of money for the show. And then I became a director, which I am at the show right now. And uh, so the rodeo has been good to me. Uh, I've done, I've been good to the rodeo, uh, but we, uh, we still have a lot of work to do, and uh, I think we're moving in the right direction. What's your What's your take on? You don't have to go into too much detail, but what's your take on just bringing awareness to get more blacks involved with the rodeo, right? So I'm talking about, you know, more blacks in uh, what do they call it? The high school programs, FHA, for for showing, you know, getting the little girls and little boys, you know, mud busting, things like that. Uh, what's your opinion on trying to raise those numbers to get just to well, get more blacks involved for that? Well, you know, Warren, I'll be uh, perfectly honest with you, uh, you and Jay Reed. A lot of people assume certain things. I'm not saying people are assuming this, but they assume that the rodeo will say no if you apply. I think more African Americans need to apply for them. Just right. want to do it and let them tell you no. They're not going to tell you no. I mean. You find a lot of, think about the state of Texas and we have Wyoming kids coming in, Oklahoma, all in the rodeo business. They grow up around this. And so when they hear about the rodeo, it's a job, it's a career, it's an opportunity where for us, it's a luxury. And so to get our kid mutton busted because we see it and we love it, that's one thing, but we have to have 50 kids to apply, not two. Right, right, right. You know, and uh, rather it's uh, team roping, you got to grow up in that business. Rather it's uh Still wrestling, you got to get in it and travel and want to do it. And there are some, but the other piece is um, if you want to go on a professional circuit, you need sponsorship. So you got to be good. If you're good, the money will come. Right. Yeah. But, but I think the days of saying it's only for a white person are over. If you have a skills in, uh, in, in the rodeo profession, you're going to get picked up. But in terms of the like mud and busting, those things, calf roping, we need a whole bunch of African-Americans to apply. Gotcha. So it's, it's the main thing is just raising awareness. Absolutely. About, about those opportunities. I got it. And if you go to rodeohouston.com to the website, you'll see everything you want to know. But we do need to increase the, the ask. Right. Yeah. I know you um, I know you hit me up earlier, said you, you had a you know a limited amount of time before, you know, your busy schedule. And I really do want to say, man, I really, Unc, I really do appreciate you sitting down with us. Uh, I really hate that you miss <laughs> this, uh, this good cigar. We got to make it up to you. <laughs> I promise you, I'm gonna call you before you call me. <laughs> uh, and you know, last day, Reed, do you have any closing statements? I know. Well, I do have one question for you. So, the city of Houston, I, they've like uh, renovated. 
some of the, the local golf courses? Like out of all the, the local courses, which one would you say is your favorite? I like Herman Memorial, Gus Wortham, Sharpstown. Gus Wortham without a question. Yeah. Yeah. Gus Wortham without a question, man. I Oh, man. Oh, like I said, I'm a member of Golf Club of Houston. And if I had to pick one, I mean, that Gus Wortham is on, man. I love it. Yeah, we got to get the Gus Wortham. I haven't played it since they've been Oh, you I haven't? Oh, no, no. I, you I haven't played it since they've Warren, okay, we'll make that a deal. I know the the uh, the owner out there. We'll we'll make it happen. We'll bring the cigars. We'll bring the cigars. We'll make that happen because Gus Wortham, you will love it. Trust me, you will love it. No doubt, no doubt. Well, uh, like I said, I really do respect your time. Uh, yeah, man. Please find, pencil me in, as we say, Coach. Pencil me in for the next round, man. Give me about two months. I'm in, I'm ready to come back. I will be there. You'll be there. The, uh, part two, then the white bucket. Well, I thank you for tuning in, man. I thank you for your time. Most importantly, I can't say thank you enough. I know you're a busy man. Thank you for meeting us at the 19th hole, uh, talking about your background. Uh, I would say keep serving the people because it looks like it's it's done you very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and let me say this, you know, a lot of times you you see people on TV or on Instagram or social media or whatnot, and then when you meet them, they're like totally different, right? They're like that's not the persona that that person portrayed to you, right? But this young man here, he don't—he doesn't even know it. But my wife and I were looking for a, a bed and breakfast, and we stayed at this bed and breakfast. And this man here took care of us. He didn't know who we were, but we knew who you were, and you were the kindest—you and your wife, y'all were the kindest, most caring people. And that was one of the best times that my wife and I have had at a bed and breakfast. And I—I I remember that, and I thank you for it. Well, well, Jay Reed, thank you so much. I know my wife appreciated, but she told me. She leave, She put me in a cage and she let me out once a quarter. And if I ain't on my best behavior, she put me back in that cage. <laughs> I'll be sure to tell her, thank you so much, man. And y'all come on back, man. We would love it. But we're going to get out to Gus Word and that'll be the next visit. And then we can come back to the 19th hole. Let's do it. I like it. Dwight, thank you. Thank you, Warren. Thank you, Jay Reed. Thank you, sir. All right, sir. Take care. All right, fellas. Good luck to you. Thank yes, you. sir. Have a good one. The 19th hole, the 19th hole. I'm at the 19th hole, fellowship with a few folks. My game was on, so I wanna buy a few strokes. Cognac and a few totes. We gon' talk about our views and let the news post. Whether a old in one or a triple bogey. Sit down at the round table, get to know me. Black excellence, living holy. Golf carts get driven slowly while we pickin' stogies. We at the clubhouse for another episode. The shoes I wear when I play, they are retros. I got reach out in Pebble Beach. Find cigars and some leather seats, and you can let us be. You can meet me at the 19th hole, or you can beat me there. Long as you know, you gon' see me there. Golf podcast for us. You can zoom in. You know where we'll be. Won't you tune in? Beat me, you can beat me to the 19th hole. The 19th hole. You can beat me, you can beat me to the 19th hole. The 19th hole.